24 and 25 though here, and then we will kind of work our way towards that, that text there in dealing with that. We, we're dealing with the words of Solomon here, or the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, and under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, right, these words are given to us about parenting, about our own lives as well. See, there's applications for us as parents. There's applications for children. There's applications for us as, as you know, uh, workers, as Christians, as w whatever the case may be in our lives. There's all sorts of applications for us here. Is, uh, Proverbs is a wonderful book that if you can be in it every day, even if it's not a whole chapter, but a couple verses a day, it's a good idea. Amen. You just take one of those Proverbs, one of those verses, and usually a lot of times my devotions will be one of those verses in Proverbs that I will write on and that I will, uh, you know, uh, think about and meditate on and, and really try to apply it to our lives, my life and, and everything else. And that's a good practice to have, even if it's just one of those verses a day. Get in the book of Proverbs. That's, the whole Bible is full of wisdom, but God specifically said, if you want wisdom, here, here's the Proverbs. If you want to know wisdom and instruction and perceive the words of understanding, here it is. You can have it. No, no man has to be a fool, right? He doesn't have to be. God has everything for him here. And God has fully equipped us to do everything that, that he has commanded us to do. He's given it in his word. We just have to make this book our all right? We've got to make it our all. If we want wisdom, if we're unsure about decisions and, and the, all the principles for decision-making and everything else are found in this book, whether it's for your, yourself, whether it's for your children, whether it's for advising. One of the things that Brother Paul said last night to those people, you need to stop listening to lying counselors and you need to listen to the Word of God. Because these people are lying to you. You know, they're lying to you. You need to listen to the scriptures. You need to heed what you, he's like, that guy's coming up and everything this guy's coming up and saying to me and one of the other men, Garrick's up there preaching. He's like, you know what? You need to just shut up and listen, you know, to what, to, to the preacher and what he's saying up there. And they do. They just need to, they need to listen because it's right there what they're, Everything that they say and object to, and everything, God gives them the answers. Every one of those preachers last night gave them the answers they needed. Every one of them did. Right? Every one of them gave them the word. Brother Dan read like three or four chapters of the Bible up there. Gave them the answers that they needed. Right there. That was what they needed. But fools don't want to listen. They don't want to. They reject it. They won't listen to it. They won't hear it. And that's to their own demise. And God warns them of that. All right. In Proverbs chapter 1, verse number 23, Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. This is God's spirit. God promises that he will do this. If you will obey the light that you begin. We talked about that last week. Because I have called and you refused. And I, I have stretched out my hand and no man regarded. But ye have said it not all my counsel, and would none of my reproof. Now we're, we're going to cover a, a little bit of those verses from an earthly perspective today of 26, 27, 28, but we're not really going to talk about when this takes place. We're going to talk about that next week, because I'm going to talk to you about prayers from hell. And, 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 and we're going to discuss that, these, when, when praying is, is too late. It's never too late while you have breath in your lungs here, but the prayers from hell are too late. They're, it's too late for them. When they cry out from hell, it's too late. Right. Cry out now. 
Amen. That's what I told those people last night. Cry out now. Don't wait until you're, you're done. It's too late. Life is over. When you're in hell, you're, God's going to laugh at your prayers. That's what he said. Come on. That's at hell. That's not now. God's not doing that now. God's pouring. What do he say? He'll pour out his spirit to you. He'll give you grace now. If you want it while you're alive, listen. Amen. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you for your word. Help us now. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, wisdom warns men not to say no to God. Man can refuse God's offer, and this is evident from Genesis to Revelation. God would have all men to be saved. You look at 1 Timothy chapter 2. God wants men to be saved today. Look what he says here in verse number one. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. And I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Who was before? Whoops, I read the wrong verse. That sounds good, but that's the wrong one. <laughs> verse two, sorry. For let me back up here and read the first one. I don't know what I was thinking. Must be tired. Uh, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority. Look, notice that all. He keeps saying that. And for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Pray for them to leave you alone. <laughs> You see that? That's what he said. Pray for them to leave you alone. <laughs> for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved Amen. and come unto the knowledge of the truth. That's the same. That all is the same all the way through there. He speaks, God wants all men. Now, all men won't be saved, but God wants them to be saved. It isn't a lack of God desiring. God, God has no pleasure in the death of the wicked. I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that they turn. Right? God has no pleasure in that. Amen. And neither should you, you and I. We don't have any pleasure in it either, right? But men refuse. The Bible says that Jesus draws all men unto him. Look at John chapter 12, verse number 32. By the way, I don't agree with the Pope and others that say there's a failure in the cross, right? No, there was no failure. Amen. It's man's fault he goes to hell. That's right. It's man's fault. That's right. Jesus said in verse, 30, in verse 30, Jesus answered and said, This voice came not because of me, but for your sakes. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And I... If I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. Amen? That's, that's God's draw. You want it, it's right, it's right in the preaching of God's word. It's right there. But all do not come. Men do not perish because they are not sovereignly elected, but because they do not choose the fear of the Lord. In Proverbs chapter 1, verse number 29. Amen. You look at that back in Proverbs. Men won't be able to make an excuse by some decree of God that they weren't saved. No. 
You're not saved because you don't choose the fear of the Lord. For that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. That's what he said. They would none of my counsel. They despised all my reproof. If any man ever worries about that or is concerned about that, whether they're elect or whether they're this or whether they're that or any of those things, why don't you ask God to give you a broken heart and a contrite spirit? Amen. Why don't you ask God to break your heart? Say, I don't have a broken heart over my sin. And he said, well, I don't feel guilty over my sin. Well, you better, you better ask God to give you some then. Amen. Because he will. God will give you a contrite heart. God will break your heart. God will show you your need. Ask him to. Amen. Ask him to. You ought to ask God to do such things if you don't have it. Man, sometimes as Christians, we're too hard. We need to ask God to tender us up a little bit. Just too hard, Lord. Forgive us. Amen. Too harsh. Help us to be tender. Amen. Wisdom warns that the opportunity of salvation will come to an end. Look at uh, verse 24. Because I have called and ye refused, and I have stretched out my hand and no man regarded. But ye have said it not all my counsel and would none of my reproof. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh. When your fear cometh in, as desolation and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind. When distress and anguish cometh upon you. Then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. For that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would none of my counsel. They despised all my reproof. Therefore shall they eat the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. I believe that's talking about hell. That's when prayers are of no avail. That's when it's too late. But you don't know when you're going to die. <laughs> that's why you can't play games with God. Do you see what I mean? But, but I believe this is describing hell, which I'll talk about next week. We're not going to talk about that now. But Wisdom warns of that, though. The fool says later, but God says now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. The fool waits and God closes the door and the accepted time is forever gone. Their life is over. Right? Like the politician that Paul was preaching to. What did he say? Go, spirit, go away. On some more convenient day, I'll call. He sent Paul away, didn't he? He said, no, just go away. Amen. dangerous thing, isn't it? Don't ask God to go away. Ask Him to bury you in conviction because then He'll clothe you in righteousness. Amen. That's what God will do. It's supposed to be unpleasant. If it was sweet, if it was sweet, then you wouldn't, you wouldn't get right. It's unpleasant, so you get right. Yeah. Amen. Conviction and, and, and the, 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 the reproving of the Holy Ghost is not, it's not comfortable. But it's necessary, amen. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 6, if you would. Look what he says, look what God says to us here. In verse number 2, 2 Corinthians 6, 2. For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, 
In the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Amen. That's what the Bible warns us of, that now is the time, now is the day, not to put off your spiritual walk with God, not to put off your, uh, the need to be saved, right? Not to put that off. It is, it is now. James chapter 4. Verse, let's see, 13 and 14. God warns us about being presumptuous. But it's not presumptuous in the way, it is not presumptuous to call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. That is not presumptuous. You know what's presumptuous? To believe that you have all the time in the world to do it. See, that's where Satan wants to twist your brain up. Well, that's what the Catholic, well, that's presumption to believe that you can know when you're saved. You can know when you're saved. No, it's presumptuous for you to believe that you have all the time in the world to get saved, that you can just, you can, that, that you're in charge of that, <laughs> right? That's presumption in that sense. But it's not presumptuous to call upon the name of the Lord. That's called faith. Amen. That's faith. That's what that is. Go to now ye that say today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. And so I tried to tell them last night. I, I, I told them over and over again, what is your life? It's but a vapor. It appeareth for a a little time, right? Just a little time. That's all. And then vanish it away. Life is over. So quickly. My dad's going to be 80 years old. You ask him how fast that life is gone. Right? Very quickly. Very fast. And like he tells them when he preaches, you don't know if you have 80, you'll live to be 80. You don't know that at all. You don't know how long you have. Don't play with your never dying soul. Don't gamble with your soul. Don't roll the dice. Don't play Russian roulette with your soul. Amen. You don't know if you have tomorrow. None of us know. We don't know how long we have. Right? The longer, the longer we are here, the more that we know that we will bury one another. And one day all of our children will bury us if the Lord tarries his coming, right? Then all of our children will bury us and they will continue on. And our bodies will be in gravestones, but our soul will be home with the Lord by faith in Jesus Christ. Right? But uh, they'll, they'll, uh, the, the, the scene will change definitely. Right? Our children will bury us. That's reality. And I always try to remind people that, remember, you are preparing your children to live life without you. Right? I am taking the word of God, and I am preparing the next generation to live without us. That's what I, that's what I hope to do. That's what we hope to do is to prepare them to live without us when we're gone. 
that they'll remember the words that they were given. They'll remember the truth that they were given. Amen? And they'll follow it. Amen? Amen? With a forehead, Lord willing, harder than my forehead. <laughs> a steadfastness and spiritual tenacity. That's what it'll take, amen? God will give it by His grace, won't He? But we see here, God is not only merciful, but He is holy. God hates sin and will judge it. He will send fear and destruction and distress and anguish upon the very sinners that He would have saved had they responded to the gospel. The same Lamb of God that is drawing all men unto Him in this present time is the same one that will pour out His wrath upon them in the future. Revelation 6, 16, look at that. And said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us! And hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. You know, I believe God used it. It's so interesting that, that, that the Holy Spirit used that word, the wrath of the Lamb. It didn't say the wrath of the Son of God. It didn't say the wrath of Jesus Christ. You know why he said the wrath of the Lamb? To remind you, that's the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. But he was rejected. So when he comes back, they're not under that grace. They're under the wrath of the lamb, that same lamb that was slain. Do you understand that? That's why he uses that. Behold the lamb of God, which is what John said, right? And I believe this. There's an also an application for Israel here as well. I, I absolutely believe that because that's the lamb. And when the lamb comes back, there's a wrath. They will look on him whom they have pierced. That's right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Amen. I, I believe that. Absolutely. Too much scripture to... And by the way, there's too much scripture that hasn't been fulfilled from the Old Testament right. about Israel and the restoration. That's not the church. Right. When I say the church, I mean the one you're sitting in. It's not us. It's not the institution of the local New Testament church. I know that's kind of using a double... All churches are local New Testament, but anyway. But that's, that's for the clarity of others that don't understand that. That's, he's, not talking about, he's not talking about that when he says that. He's not, he's not talking about that. There's a, there, there, th those scriptures in the Old Testament are talking about that kingdom that is going to be on this earth. Right. And will rule and reign with him. Anyway, that's, I don't want to get too far into that, but it's just applicable because you have a lot of people out there that believe that, nope, that's all fulfilled in, in, in the, the gospel and the church and God's not. Well, according to Revelation here, God's going to deal with nations again. Right. And they're all going to be gathered up together against them as nations to war. Yep. That hasn't happened yet. That hasn't been fulfilled yet. And neither has those two, neither has those two witnesses come yet. And neither, I believe in literal prophecy, not figurative. I'm not Origen, and I'm not hanging out with Augustine and a bunch of other weirdos that chop body parts off. I, I'm not hanging out with them, 
right? I believe literally what Jesus said, and I believe Jesus is literally going to rule and reign. I believe he's going to step down to the Mount of Olives. I absolutely believe that. Amen. Amen. So anyway, that's, this has been your prophecy moment. Um, now we'll keep going. But God's wrath will be poured out. It will be poured out on the world and on those that rejected the Lord. And these nations that have rejected God, which there are plenty of them that have, and they will, they'll be dealt with in that end times. Right now, God is dealing with the individual sinner. That's what God is dealing with now. He is dealing with sinners. But make no mistake about it, God's going to destroy the world one day by fire. He's going to destroy the nations. Right? And that's not figurative. That's literal. That's not, that's not a figure of speech. Just like the flood was not a figure of speech. He flooded the whole world. And he's going to burn the whole world with fire. Hallelujah. What a Savior. And he's righteous and holy to do it too. Amen. See, so it's easy to see how important this warning is for young people to understand as well. You feel as a young person that you have all the time in the world to get right with God. And, you know, the foolishness of youth leads us to live our lives carelessly. It really does. As young people, let me warn you of something. The, the, if you keep a short sin account, if, if, you, if you stay walking in the light that you've been given and you obey the Lord, you'll never be sorry. You'll never be sorry. But if you turn your back on the truth that you've been given, when you're older, it's going to hurt bad. That's all, all I can tell you is it's going to hurt very bad. And you're going to live with a lot of terrible regret. It's going gonna, it's gonna to cripple you at times. Because you've sinned against the light you've been given. Don't do that. Just walk with the Lord. Be patient and wait on God. Let God order your steps. Follow him and you'll live a joyful life and you'll thank God for it. It won't always be easy, but it will be simple. You won't be confused. Sin confuses everything. Sin makes everything hard. The simplicity of Christ will keep it simple for you. Don't sin against your own conscience. Don't sin against the light that you've been given. And if you're not saved, don't wait and think that you have all the time in the world. Because the longer you wait, the harder you get. The harder your, your heart will get. The more susceptible to sin you will be. Because when we, if we live in rebellion to the truth that God has given us, it hardens us. So the time of repentance is now. The time to get right with God and to, and, to, and to live your life according to the scriptures is right now, not when you get old. You're not missing out. Let me tell you what you're missing out on if you, if you do that. You're missing out on hell, number one. You're missing out on the wrath of God. You're missing out on destroying your life. Like last night, some of you young men got to go out there. You got to see the other side of living it up and following what the world does. Some dude getting tased busted down, face in the dirt, shackled up and hauled away. Why? 
because he was a foolish drunk. With some woman that's, that's probably not even his wife at all, right? And she's too sloppy drunk to even drive. Both of them were too sloppy drunk to drive. Could have killed somebody on the road, right? That's reality. That's where life goes if you, if you decide that you're smarter than God after you've been warned. You start flirting with the world. That's where it leads. And it doesn't take very long. And you have to be challenged with the uncertainty of this life. That's why we preach what we do. The challenge, like everything in this life except Jesus is uncertain. Everything. Because God changes not. He's immutably doesn't change. That's why I can put my 100% faith and trust in this book because it doesn't. The word of God will be fulfilled. The words of the Lord are pure as silver, tried in the furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. It's the only thing that I can put all of my trust and faith in, that it will not fail me. Men will fail me. I will fail me. You will fail me. God will never fail me. Amen. You see the difference? We will fail. God will not fail. It is his nature to be perfect, holy without sin. That's why I can trust everything he says and believe everything he says, right? Because he can't lie. It's impossible. Some people don't understand that there are things that God cannot do. One of those things is God cannot lie. He can't. It's not possible for God to lie. Why? Because he's holy. And in order to lie, there's reasons why, why fallen creatures lie. One is because they want to get out of the consequences of, what of their actions. And God is holy. Holiness never changes. Or something can overcome them so they're deceitful. Nothing can overcome God. Right? Or you have to be wrong about something to lie to get out of it. Right? God's never wrong. He's always right. So he can't. It's not in his nature to lie. It's in our nature. Let God be true. Every man a liar. It's in human nature to lie, fallen nature to lie. God is holy. He can't. So everything he said will come to pass in this book. Everything. That's why you can trust him for eternal life. Because he doesn't lie. He's not like you. He's not like me. He doesn't get fickle with his emotions and decide to destroy you. Amen. That's why he says that, uh, that I change not, therefore you sons of Jacob are not consumed. I don't change. I'm not like you. I'm not like you. You get mad at somebody and you'll write them off, right? You get upset about something and you react with passion. God's not like you. He's not like me. Amen. He's holy. That's why I believe him. Right? And that's why you and I have to trust God. And you have to understand that everything else in this life is uncertain. Everything. Except this book and the God who wrote it. That's it. Everything else is uncertain. Everything else is fleeting. Everything else can yeah. fall. 
Everything else can fail. The Word of God shall never fail. That's where your faith needs to be. You need to stop looking at God like He's like you. And thinking God's like you. Oh, God's mad at me today. That isn't how God works. Amen. That doesn't work that way. Right? He even says that in his chastisement. He's not like your father, who for their pleasure, right, right. disciplined you. God's not. God, the only reason why God ever disciplines you is not because he's mad at you. Oh, I'm mad at you. I'm angry with you, so I'm going to discipline. No, that's not why God disciplines us. He does it for us to be a partaker of his holiness. Right. Like it's for our good. It does nothing to him. It doesn't change who God is. You're not, in that sense, you're not disturbing God one bit. God's not moved by, by that in that sense. Yes, he loves us and he has sorrow in his heart, the Bible says, for things. But God's not, it doesn't move him to change him and who he is. He doesn't react like you do. You think God's like your own messed up mind sometimes. God's not like your messed up roadmap of hell inside your brain. That God's nothing like that. He is stable, steady, established, pure, and holy. He doesn't change. Well, what changes? You, me. We get weak. We get tired. God never gets weak. God never gets tired. God never wearies. God never wears out. Right? He never weakens. He's never without strength. He never has a problem. He only has solutions for you. He has no problems. You serve a God with no problems. Do you understand that? I'm so tired of people, even in our minds, misrepresenting who God is. God is very certain. Everything about him is yay. Amen. And he gives you the truth. And I'll tell you, this world's going to change. If you want to cling to something, it better be to Jesus Christ. Because everything else is going to change. I thought about something as simple as last night. We're running around at 10 o'clock looking for somewhere to eat, like a drive-thru or something, or to go into running lobby. And these people are so insane. And this world has changed so much in three years that all these places are like closed. It, it, it's a little thing, but it's like, it's the uncertainty. Yeah. Right. One thing can change your whole world. One cancer diagnosis can do it. One thing can change your and I. Nothing changes God. Amen. Trust in God. Amen. If you're lost, trust Him. Amen. If you're saved, trust Him. That's right. Because He doesn't change. And that's important for you to understand. The Bible clearly refutes a universalist salvation, right? Not, all men are not going to be saved. He said, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way, which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. You have to make a decision. You have to come to Christ. You have to be born again by the Spirit of God. It is a personal gospel that is preached to you. Amen? It's personal. 
Wisdom warns that for the sinner to despise reproof is the same as rejecting it. Look at Proverbs chapter 1 and verse number 30. If you despise reproof, you're rejecting it. Look at verse 30. They would none of my counsel. They despised all my reproof. To despise means to count it of little value. Young people, be very careful when, when godly people try to instruct you and give you, give you the truth and your parents try to give you truth and understanding and that you don't despise what you hear from them. That goes for older people, too. Sometimes young people and sometimes old people are surprised when, they, when, 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 when things happen to them. A lot of times when I watch as a pastor and I see that, I'm not surprised because I've warned about it, I've showed the truth, I've instructed, I've given the truth, and I, that's all I can do. All I have is influence. I'm not a benevolent dictator. I don't have any power to go into people's houses and tell them what to do and force them to do. I don't want to anyway. I got enough to do in my own house. <laughs> I can't even go in my own house and dictate, <laughs> dictate everything that, that, that needs to be done, right? I'm not going to do it at somebody else's, right? So it, that's all I can do is give you the scriptures and the influence. You have to follow the Lord the same as I do. All that can be given to me is the truth and instruction, but I have to follow the Lord. Right? But when you don't and then bad things happen, you're, for some reason you're taken aback by it. It's like, well, that's like the handwriting on the wall when you ignore good counsel and reproof and you've been given instructions and you just ignore it. Of course. That's, that's what happens. It leads, to, it leads to destruction when you ignore it. You despise it. It's not that you're even, like, you don't belittle or, or you don't talk down to somebody. You just... You just despise, like, it's have little value. It has no value what somebody said to you. Young people, pay attention to instruction now. Learn to pay attention to the instruction your parents give you. Listen to their advice. Listen to the wisdom that they give you and the instruction. Learn. Don't ignore it because it's going to come back to bite you. It is going to if you ignore it. It will. Amen? It when, you, when someone has been warned and they decide not to listen, it will come back to bite them. It will. It, guaranteed. <laughs> it will. Because God gives you warnings. And when you don't heed them and you just think that you, you think you have a better way than clear, plain scripture, you have a better way to handle it. You're going to be in trouble. Right? You're going to be in trouble. Wisdom warns not to do that. You may not openly scoff at it. You may not conscientiously reject it. You consider it of little value and neglect it. And then when trouble comes and you're, in, you're into it deep, you're just like trying to figure out a way to claw yourself out. But make no mistake about it, to despise the gospel is to reject the gospel. You're, you're rejecting it. The parable the sower teaches us if men do not make an effort to understand the word of God, the devil snatches it away. 
Remember that? He says the fowls of the air come and they snatch it away. Why? Because they haven't meditated on the word. They, don't, they listen to it and they're like, ah, whatever. They just let it go. Last night we preached to a bunch of people. We don't know which ground it was, right? We don't know. God can make any ground good. Amen. Amen. Thank God for that, right? But, but um, when we're out there preaching, we don't know. It fell on stony places, right? It fell. People don't understand. We, we scatter it everywhere. That's, that open air preaching is scattering the word everywhere. It's just, we don't know what ground it fell on. People ask us all the time, well, how many people have you led to the Lord? All of them. We led all of them to the Lord. What they do with him is them. We pointed him to the cross. We, point, we, we preached the law to them, and we preached the gospel to them. We, get, we pointed them to Jesus. We led all of them to him. I can't make him believe. I can't make him repent. But I can beg him to. And that's what we did, right? We plead with him. Like I said to him, we know the terror of the Lord that we persuade men. We know the terror of the Lord. That's why we're preaching to you. So we know you're in trouble. Wisdom warns that the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. You know, the most gracious thing that God can do for a sinner, uh, one that is coming to Christ especially, the most gracious thing he can do is strip him of everything. That is what God did to me before I got saved. He took everything from me. And I believe God does that sometimes for certain people, you know, that, 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 uh, that he's working on and dealing with their hearts. He strips them of everything, takes everything from them. That doesn't have to be the case for everybody, but many people he does. He, especially those that have heard the truth at a young age, because see, I heard the gospel when I was five. I, I heard it when I was growing up as a kid, then left the Christian school, left the church. I heard the truth, right? So God brought me back to that, right? And I wasn't saved at that time, but, what, but the seeds were planted. The seeds of those men that preached the gospel to me did not go. Um, it, they, weren't, they weren't sown in vain. Amen. They weren't sown in vain. They preached the gospel to me when I was a little boy. God left that seed in there. And he let it grow, right? Until a time. And he dealt with me. When I was older, when I was 25 years old, he dealt with me. Took everything. Man, I had, I had a good job. I had a nice car. I had everything this world had to offer. And I was going to hell, too. I had everything that you could, uh, like image and everything, everything you could imagine. But what I didn't have was Christ, and I was on my way to hell. And what God did was he stripped it. You better pray God doesn't make you successful. God doesn't allow you to be successful in your sin. Amen. You better pray that God doesn't let you become successful in your rebellion. That's the prosperity of fools. Look what it says there in Proverbs chapter 1. The end of the chapter there, verse 32. For the turning away of the simple shall slay them, and the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. The prosperity of fools destroys. Right? You better ask God and beg God not to let you prosper as a fool. God didn't let the prodigal son prosper as a fool, did he? He went and lived out and they got in the pig pen, right? 
He thought he's going to go in the world. He took his inheritance. He squandered it. He went out in the world and he thought he was going to prosper and do all kinds of good. Where'd he end up? In a pig pen. Same place you'll leave. You leave, you leave the will of God. You walk away from what you've been taught. You walk away from the truth. You will end up in a pig pen. Wallowing in the pig pen. That's where you'll end up. Why? Because you sin against the truth. And God's not going to, if you're a child of God, God's not going to let you prosper in, in wickedness and sin. He's not going to let you prosper in the world like that. God won't do that. He'll strip you of all that you have if that's what it takes for you to get right with God. You may want what the world has. You may want to succeed like they do. But you ought not desire it because it's the prosperity of fools. You look sometimes at these people that sin against God and you think in yourself and, and they get away with it or it appears that they get away with it, it appears that their life is better than yours. You look at it. It's the prosperity of fools. Don't lust after what they have. Don't desire what they have in your heart. Don't go after what they have. That's the prosperity of fools. Look at them. They're a bunch of fools. God's not going to... God will prosper his children, but he will do it spiritually. And he may give them things, yes, monetarily and all those things, but God's prosperity is spiritual. Amen. It ain't found in a pig pen in the world. Because right. that's where you got to go to get it. If you want to be like them, you got to go roll around in the mud and be a pig. If you want to be like, you could, everybody in this room, everybody, I'm not preaching a prosperity gospel to you here, but everybody in this room could be rich if they wanted to be. You just lay down all your principles of, of God's word and you just go do it. You could do it, right? Paul, you could spend your life, if you want to, right now, chasing storms everywhere, make triple the money that you make now probably, go out everywhere and run around and chase that all over, any, any of you could, any of you could do something like that, I could do it if I wanted to, right? But it's the prosperity of fools, because what does it do? Big deal, what does it accomplish? Nothing, oh I got stuff, oh, I got stuff too, big deal, too much of it. Right? So what is it? Big deal. You make a bunch of money, you chase it around, and you live your lives like that. Ruin your marriage, destroy your children. Drop all your principles. That's what it leads to. Pig pen. Really? You really want to labor to be rich? Do you really want to labor to be rich, or do you want to labor to honor God and serve the Lord and take care of your family and enjoy uh, spiritual blessings from God. Because I'm going to tell you what, when you're an old man, nobody cares about the gold you have. You're going to die. And some other man that didn't do a thing for it is going to steal it from you. Big deal. Who cares? You better look around you and see what's important. That's what you better do. You better look around you and see what matters most. It's the souls of men. It's investing into God's kingdom. And I ain't talking about sowing your seed either. Like some uh, prosperity pimp. I'm talking about living for God.
serving God, being faithful to God and your family and teaching them and raising them and teaching them what matters in this life. Amen. That's what's important. And you better get a hold of that now or you're going to end up in a pig pen. That's where you're going to end up. You're going to end up in a pig pen chasing around something. I'm going to tell you what, God doesn't give you what you want sometimes because what you want will destroy you. That's why. You know the hardest thing you'll ever do is accept the fact that God tells you, no, I'm not going to give it to you because it will destroy you. That's the hardest thing. You labor for it. You want it. You desire some of these things sometimes. And you have this perfect picture in your mind of what perfection would be and what it would be. And God says, no. Wait, God, why does that person get it and I don't get it? That don't matter because I'm God and you're not. Shut up and obey me. No, I'm not giving it to you. No. Amen. You look at you say, no, but I'll give you a lot better things. Amen. I won't give you the prosperity of fools, though, because you'll end up like them, wallowing in the pig pen of life. You think that your trials sometimes are so bad. No, your trials are blessings from God. That's what they are. Because they keep you where you're supposed to be. Because without them, you'd be a prosperous fool. That's right. So God keeps you going the way you do. See, sometimes I barely make it and this is going. Yeah, I know. That's a blessing because God's telling you, if I poured it all out on you and you had all that money and you had all those things and you had all that, it'd destroy you. It would destroy you. So I don't give it to you. By the way, do you believe the Bible, right? God says he will withhold no good thing from them that what? Fear him, right? So if God has withheld something from you, it's not good for you. Or it's not time for you to have it. Now, it takes faith to believe that. Right? It takes faith to believe that. You have to believe God. Well, God says no. Amen? God, sometimes God just says, no, it's, it's not right. Not good for you. So I'm not going to give it to you. Is God wrong? By the way, if God could give it, do you believe that God is able to give you abundantly above all that you ask or think? Right? If it's according to his will, right? He's able to, right? There's nothing that God is not able to give you if it's according to his will and if it's right for you, right? So if God withholds it from you and he tells you no, then you know full well that's God telling you no. Because when you run into that roadblock that doesn't go away, that wall that doesn't go away for a child of God, that's not the devil. Like you understand that because he can't do anything to you that God doesn't allow. So it's not the devil. What is it? That wall you ran into is God. Is God say it's a big wall and it has two letters on it. N-O. That's what it is. No. Because God doesn't give his people the prosperity of fools. He doesn't give it to them. And I'm not saying that if you have something and I don't have something or, or that doesn't matter. It's not that God does that. That's not us. We don't determine what that is. God may give Paul something that he doesn't give me. Right? 
or me something that he doesn't give Lee or Lee something that he doesn't give Jacob. Like red hair, right? Jacob got red hair, you didn't. Amen. Uh, but uh, you, have the, you don't have the same genetic defect. It's great. Um, but God knew that Jacob needed it. But, but seriously, though, God gives us things, and, and sometimes you wonder, well, how come God didn't give that to me? Well, because he didn't want you to have it. It's not because you didn't have enough faith. Well, I didn't have enough faith. No, that's prosperity pimp garbage. Right. No, God didn't want you to have it. You ask God, God tells you no. God shows you no. It's not the time. Okay, God, you're always right. Amen. You're always right. God doesn't want you to have the prosperity of fools to destroy you. Be thankful if God doesn't make you wealthy. Be thankful for it. You know why? Because it would be your ruin if he did. Well, how do I know that? Well, because if it wasn't, he'd give it to you. If he wanted you to have it, he'd give it to you. Yeah, you can work. You know what? There are men that will work hard, that will, that, and, and oh, all of you do, for the most part, work hard. All of you do, as far as I know. Work hard and do what you're supposed to do and everything else. And guess what? Some will have more than others. Some may have less or whatever. But and you, God's not going to make us super wealthy people. Why? Well, you'd probably turn your back on him if you did. Because you, you, you most rich men have a hard time entering into the kingdom of heaven right they have a really hard time right that's pretty serious stuff isn't it camel through the eye of a needle that's jesus making a point there why because riches take people quickly they take people so why labor to be rich labor to obey right labor for your treasure in heaven where moth and rust is not corrupt and thieves cannot break through and steal. Right? Prosperity outside of God's will or being rich could be the worst thing that ever happened to you. Some Christian men may have wealth and they'd be fine with it and they use it for the glory of God, a lot of them do. That's what, by the way, the Bible says if you are rich, you're supposed to use it for the glory of God. But don't trust in your riches. Don't trust in it. Right? Sometimes you, you think it's bad when God... Do you know what kind of a blessing it is that you, that you have to go to God and you have to ask Him for things and see God give them to you? You look at that as a bad thing. Why? Well, because I struggle financially with this stuff and it, it's difficult. But you get to go to God and pour out your heart to Him and ask Him to give you things. And you see God give you those things. Right? Why would that not be a blessing? That's a blessing. That's not a curse. That's a blessing. God, God meets your every need. There are some people that it's more difficult for finances than, and that some people have other issues with their mind and mental health and other things that they battle with. And they, they're like, you know what? I used to look at that as a thorn in the flesh. I mean, it is a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet me. And, and, but, but, I used to, but it was a gift from God. Why? Because God showed me, you're going to always come to me. And you're going to need me to thaw your brains. Amen. You're going to need to come to me. And you're going to get things. You're going to have to come to me. And you're going to have to 
you're going to need me more. And that'll be good for you. Because right. you won't trust in your own understanding. <laughs> You'll have to trust me. And with your finances, some of you, some have easier times with money. I'm not talking about, you know, there's certain principles we ought to follow and things. I'm not talking about that. But generally speaking, God says you're going to have rich, you're going to have poor. You're going to have that. Right? A poor man thinks of the prosperity. Sometimes a, a poor man lives a way simpler life than a rich man does. Because they're always trying to guard their riches against everybody that's trying to take it from them. And they're... That's a lot of responsibility to deal with, right? When you ain't got nothing, you don't have to worry about it too much. <laughs> right, Brother Paul? You can't worry about it too much. You got nothing anyway. <laughs> Just take it if you want it, I guess. <laughs> like Brother Finney told me before, don't worry about it, Pastor. You're judgment-proof. You ain't got nothing. <laughs> like, that's true, Brother. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> he said that with that southern smile. <laughs> Bless your heart, you ain't got nothing, preacher. <laughs> Prosperity is the part of a fool's misery, though. It increases their guilt. It nourishes their vicious affections. And in prosperity, many men in times of persecution become apostates. They turn. Why? Because they want to keep everything they have. And they're willing to sell out for it. They're tempted to sell out for it. Right? To keep what they have. It's dangerous, isn't it? God knows what the prosperity of fools would do. Prosperity of fools leads to the indulgence of sin. How about spiritual prosperity, though, from God? God, re God regards spiritual prosperity to be more important than the prosperity of this world. One man said it this way, So far is it, is it from being thus represented the Bible that the Old Testament regards it as the rewards of righteousness in the New Testament as less important, indeed, and more full of danger, yet still as something to be enjoyed? See, God is not saying it's wrong for you to have things or anything like that. But he's saying that he's, he warns rich people to be mindful, that they not be taken by their riches. The prosperity of fools shall destroy them, Few men fear prosperity, but if they had enough wisdom to know their own weakness, said one, they would see that there was nothing which they had so much reason to dread. That is in our human nature, to, that it is in our human nature to aspire to prosperity and to strive after it. The author of our nature has made us hungry for success as the food of the soul. It's normal. It needs to be directed the right way, though. That the prosperity of the wise is an eminently desirable thing. That the prosperity of the foolish is a calamitous thing. It results in the ruin of other people. Often their temporal, still more, even some spiritual ruin. It ends in their own destruction. It leads down to death. So the Bible warns us of those things. Let those to whom God has denied prosperity cheerfully accept their lowliness in their humble position. They are comparatively safe. 
They live where many arrows of destruction do not fly. You're off the radar, right? Let those who have attained prosperity ever recognize that the post of honor of power is the place of danger. They need peculiar grace from God that they may not fall. Let those who are being injured in, by their prosperity beware lest they go down fast to utter and irretrievable ruin. Sin destroys. There's a natural tendency in the prosperity of fools and that sin to destruction. Sinners are certainly miserable if they do but eat the fruit of their own way. And that's what these, the prosperity of fools, that's what they eat the fruit of their own way. Right? They value themselves upon their worldly prosperity. But then that shall help to aggravate their ruin. It'll aggravate them in hell. What did the rich man do in hell? Lift up his eyes being in torment. And Abram reminded him of what? His riches. I mean, he was, you had everything in this life, right? And you despised Lazarus who had nothing. Right? And thou art tormented. They are now proud that they can turn away from God and get clear of the restraints of religion. But that very thing shall slay them. The remembrance of it shall cut them to the heart. They are now proud of their own security and sensuality. But the ease of the simple, it shall slay them. The more secure they are, the more certain and the more dreadful will their destruction be. And the prosperity of fools shall help to destroy them by puffing them up with pride, gluing their hearts to the world, furnishing them with the fuel of their own lusts and hardening their hearts in their evil ways. Many rich people die, hardened, old, nasty sinners, leaving their fortunes to a dog, hating people so much that they, or they have an abundance of things, they don't leave it to their children. They don't leave their land, they don't leave their property. They, they leave it to some stupid dog somewhere, or, the gov or they're so greedy the government takes it from them and steals it. But in wisdom, there is safety. He concludes with an assurance of safety and happiness to all those that submit to the instructions of wisdom. Whoso hearkeneth unto me, if they'll be ruled by that wisdom, they shall be safe. They shall dwell under the special protection of God so that nothing shall do them any real hurt. He shall be easy and have no disquieting apprehensions of danger. He shall not only be safe from the evil, but quiet from the fear of it. Though the earth be removed, yet shall not they fear. Would we be safe from evil and quiet from the fear of it? Let religion always rule us and the word of God be our counselor. That is the way to dwell safely in this world and to be quiet from the fear of evil. Women, wisdom, excuse me, wisdom pro promises safety to those who heed her call. Look at verse 33 and we're done. But whoso hearkeneth unto me shall dwell safely and shall be quiet from fear of evil. Right? Quiet from fear of evil. The safety consists in what? Eternal life through Jesus Christ and adoption as children of God. And an inheritance. You have an inheritance. It's awaiting for you. As a child of God, your inheritance is in heaven. Amen. Leave your children a strong spiritual legacy more than you do a financial one. Make good decisions. Teach them good principles of finances and everything else. 
but your spiritual legacy better be way, way more than your, than, than your monetary legacy. If you leave them a bunch of money and they're twofold the child of hell, then you have failed them in that sense. Leave them a strong spiritual legacy where they know where you stand, they know what you believe, and you've lived it and you've followed it your whole life. Amen. But our inheritance is where? It's in heaven. It's not here. This is all going to burn. All of it. Amen. So what we do when we serve God, when we take care of our fam families, when we work, when we do, all of that is to be good stewards of what God has given us. But we're, we're just occupying till he comes. Right? That doesn't mean we're not diligent. We don't work hard. We do the things that we, we do. We just make sure that our work is focused on what God said. And we put the kingdom of heaven first. We put God's kingdom first. And he said, all these things shall be added unto you. All of them. All the things that you and I need. Right? But God's kingdom is first. I want to remind you about your inheritance. First Peter. We're just going to read those two verses there. First Peter chapter 1, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible. There is no inheritance on this earth that is incorruptible. It can all be corrupted. The Bible says money's going to fail, silver and gold's going to fail. It's all going to fail. But we have an eternal inheritance to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. Amen. That's wisdom's prosperity. That's, the, that's wisdom's rewards versus the prosperity of fools. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Remember that always. Invest in eternity. Don't seek, don't seek what this world has to offer. Yeah, we use it, but we don't abuse it. Right? We do what we have to do. But what's more important is eternal. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you. Uh, thank you for your words. Thank you for the truth of it. May it sink into our hearts. And Lord, if there's one or two here not saved, may they repent and believe the gospel. Lord, if there's some here that have not been following good counsel from the word of God and obeying and following you and living for you and doing things right and taking heed to thy word, help them, Lord. Correct us, Lord. Fix us. Strengthen us. Empower us, Lord. Equip us to walk with you. Forgive us of our sins. Cleanse us of our unrighteousness and strengthen our hearts today to obey you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.